All right. Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. I want to thank everybody that is watching us right now on YouTube and is going to listen to our podcast. Thank you for watching and listening and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. We are in a series. We're actually wrapping up a series called Reason to Run. Man, Jesus gives us a reason to run. Uh, as we've gone through this series, if you missed any part, you can go online uh, watch on our YouTube channel or on our podcast and listen to it. Uh, today we're wrapping up in the title of the message, Racing Towards Eternity. We're going to be talking about the finish line today. We're going to be talking about racing towards this finish line that we all cross, and that finish line is death. If you're new to Passion Life Church, welcome to church today. Come on. And talk about death, all right? Uh, but man, nobody can avoid it, right? We can't avoid death. We all have this finish line that we're running towards. And as your pastor, when you cross that finish line, these are the words that I want you to hear. Good and faithful servant, well done, welcome home. What I don't want you to hear is something else that God says to people is that I never knew you. Depart from me. And as your pastor, I, I don't want you to hear those words. And so from time to time, we, we got to talk about getting our perspective switched, changing our perspective and, and thinking about eternity racing towards eternity. Come on, let's pray. We'll get into God's word today. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for every person that's in this room today and watching online. It is not by mistake that they're watching and listening and that we're here. God, you've got a purpose and a plan for our lives. Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds. God, let us hear your voice and let us draw a little bit closer to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. There's a lot of scripture today, so let's jump into it. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I love that sentence. God has made everything beautiful, and we just have gone through a pandemic, and we're still you know, in a, you know, a quasi-shutdown, and I have talked about a lot of the negative things that have happened, and we have a tendency to talk about a lot of the negative things that have happened over the last six or seven months with you know, the, the drug abuse and, and, and the broken marriages that are happening, but uh, let me tell you, I know in our church that there's been marriages that have been reconciled during this time. There have been families that have come back together, and so there is beauty in every moment. It just depends on what our perspective is and what we are looking at. There is beauty in every single moment in every time. He has also set eternity in the heart, human heart Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Have you ever thought about eternity? Like, have you, have you ever really just kind of tried to process it with your mind how long eternity is? You know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. It's really difficult, right? Because, you know, we, we can process 50 years. We, we can process 100 years because some of us are going to live that long. And, and, but, man, you start, can, you, can we process even 1,000? How about, how about 10,000? How about 100,000 years? How about a million years? Can, can you process a million years? How about 300 billion years? Can, can, can you, we even begin to fathom 
Job in his book says we can't even we, we, we can't even process eternity. Let me give you the definition of eternity. Eternity is infinite or unending time, a state to which time has no application, timelessness. And, and this is the problem. We're finite beings. What does that mean? That means we are trapped inside of time. We live every day on a clock, right? We live every day on a clock. And we are finite beings, and we worship a God who lives outside of time. He is infinite. Time means nothing to God. He lives outside of it. And so it is impossible for us to process with our minds eternity. Job says this. Let's read it. Job 36, 26. God is so great that we cannot begin to know him. No one can begin to understand eternity. And so it is not a mind thing. It's not a, hey, let me, let me figure this out in my mind. It's a heart thing. That's why God has placed eternity in our hearts. It is, it's a faith thing. Every single person will come to a point, whether you're there now or you're going to, you're going to come to a point and start thinking about what happens to you after you die. Right? You're, you're going to say every single person, the reason why is because God has placed eternity in our hearts. It is a spiritual thing. It is not a, a mental thing. It's not an intelligence thing. We can't process eternity and the things that await us in eternity. It is a heart. And that's why God has placed eternity in our hearts. A couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about the words that God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah when he said, I knew you before you were born. Before we were born. This is why we're, we're so, as Christians, we're against abortion because it's killing a purpose and a plan that someone has for a person because God places purpose in someone's life even before they're in their mother's womb. He's also placed eternity there at the same time. We all come to this place and we, we wonder what what happens to us after we cross that finish line? That's why God has placed eternity in our hearts. James 4, 14, this is the brother of Jesus. He says this, why? You do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? I mean, what a, what a question that is, right? What is your life? You are a mist, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And he's talking in the grand scope of eternity, our lives are but a mist. Okay. I'm on Febreze ready, okay? First section, I need you to pay attention, okay? I'm going to show you your life, okay? Ready? You need to be paying attention. You might miss it, okay? You're getting ready to be born. Here we go, here we go. You're born, you live, you die. Middle section, middle section. I need, I need you to be prepared. Okay, I need you to be paying attention. Here we go. Here we go. Here's your life. Here's your life. You're getting ready to be born. You're born. You live. And then you die. All right, third section. Here we go. Here we go. Last section. I need you to be paying attention or you're going to miss your life. Okay, here we go. You're born. You live. You die. Our lives are but a mist but a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow, right? Our lives are nothing more than just a, a mist. 
And, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing. So many of us Americans filled that mist with a bunch of material crap. We, we just, we get so focused on material stuff and we just fill that, man, I need a better house. I need a new house. I need a bigger house. I need a new car. I need more. I need to make more money. I need a bigger business. And we just, man, we just so focused on the material of the mist. And man, I need to get more comfortable. I need a bigger bed. I need a better pillow, right? Like I need a bigger TV. Like this is who we are as Americans. We get so focused in the material of the mist that we miss what God wants to do in us in the grand scheme of eternity. So many of us miss the mist and fill it with material things. And James is saying, amen, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. What is your life? You're, you, we're just here at just a moment, just a, a small moment in the grand scheme of eternity. The 500 billion years that we spend with Jesus in eternity. Our life is just but a mist. But let me tell you, our mist matters here. Our mist matters. Our mist matters. The people in our lives attached to our mist matters. Because everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. One of, I feel, one of the things that I feel our biggest issue is in our culture is that we don't have a sense of urgency. We don't, we don't have a sense of urgency to change and, and do something different with our life or, or change perspective. We, we think we have all of the time in the world. You see, the early church and, and the disciples and the Apostle Paul, they had this sense of urgency. Jesus says this in, in Revelation 3.11. He says, I am coming soon. Now, I, I looked up that word in the Greek and, and, and in the Hebrew, and this is what Jesus is saying. I'm coming soon. <laughs> Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. He's, he's talking about spiritual rewards here. He, he's talking about eternal rewards when he's talking about your, your crown. And he says, I am coming soon. And this is what drove the early disciples and the early Christians and the early church and the apostles. They were just like, man, Jesus said he's coming soon. And so, man, we need to make every day matter. We need to make our, our mist matter. And, and people's eternity is, is man, based on our lives and how faithful and obedient we are. And so we need to make every single day matter. But for many of us, how many times do you actually think about the return of Jesus? He said he's coming, he's coming soon. And he said that there would be signs for us to look for. And let's read Matthew 24, 4 through 6. Jesus says this. He says, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic, don't, don't flip out, don't, don't, don't freak out. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Let's, let's continue, next slide. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, 
but all of this only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So you see Jesus saying, hey, hey, I'm going to give you some signs to look forward to. All of that has happened already. Okay, we multiple times over, right? Famines and earthquakes and, and wars and rumors of war. We've gone through all of that. And I love that last sentence that Jesus said, that this is the beginning of birth pains. Now, I can't tell you how birth pains feel, okay? But, but according to the scream level of my wife, okay, and the reaction when the doctor said, what, what is your pain level? One to ten. And she's like, a oh, 14, now give me the epidural. Right? And I was like, okay, she's in pain. All right? Like, you better give it. You better give it to her. And, 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 and birth pains, right? And, and, but Jesus said, this is just the beginning. And what have we seen? What has this pandemic done to us? It's brought everybody's pain to the surface. The reason why there, there's protest and rioting and, and on people burning cities down is because they're in pain. Man, we are broke. Our culture is broken and in pain. And Jesus says, you need to pay attention to this because this is when I'm coming soon, when people's pain begins to boil to the surface. He says, there's going to be more, more to come. People are, people are broken right now. People are in pain right now. And they're just, the first time they're screaming about it. And, and, and they're, they're in agony. And the only thing that's going to heal our nation is Jesus. The only thing that's going to heal our nation is a church that's going to pray for our country and our city and the lost and the broken people. Listen, whatever happens to our country, listen, it's the church's fault. Because we actually have the ability to change, to pray, and ask God for mercy. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2, and I love this. This is Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, who is a pastor. He says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. And I know that can be hard for us to listen to, like, oh, I don't want it to be hard, right? We don't. We're, we're Americans. We want everything to be more comfortable, right? And we're like, oh, difficult times. He says it's going to be very difficult times. Now, now look at this list, okay? Just take inventory, all right, and, and see if we can check off every single one of these, okay? Look at this. He says this, for people will love only themselves and their money. We have several um, social media platforms where people literally just take pictures of themselves. Like on Instagram, there, there's literally people that have 45,000 pictures of just themselves in a bathroom. Chink, 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 chink. You know what I mean? It's just like, man, we're, we're nailing this one. Like we really love ourselves. This is what Paul was talking about. They love money. They, they will, will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Let's, let's stop there for a moment. Why, why, why would Paul put that one in there? Sacred. We, we look through this scripture. This, for one, the Bible is sacred. And we see a culture that is, doesn't want to have anything to do with the Bible. 
Let me tell you, marriage is sacred. God instituted marriage to be sacred between one man and one woman. But our culture would say marriage is whatever. A man can decide to be a woman, and the woman decide to be a man, and then they can get married. It's just like our, our men, nothing is sacred. Thank God, our gender is sacred. God created us that way, and he gave us certain body parts because it's sacred. This is who God has created us to be. We are his masterpiece. And so to live in a culture that says, no, you can decide whatever you want to be, man, it's diluting what God has called sacred. Do you know that his house is supposed to be sacred? And as, as your pastor, man, we, we try really hard to that, man, this place would be sacred, that this would be a place that God would be proud of, man, that this would be a place that was holy and righteous, is that, man, when you walk into this place, you feel something different because there's angels all around here protecting this environment, that it would be a prophetic environment for the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do, man, when you walk into this building. But you can walk into churches all across the United States and you can't tell the difference between happy hour and a church service. Because they've taken what was sacred and they just diluted it. And that's what the culture wants. The culture says, no, nothing's sacred. But Paul is like, no, 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 no. You need to, you need to keep what is sacred, sacred. It's important. Because if you don't, then... You, you, you have no moral compass. And man, the, God gave us the word of God so we would have a moral compass. Let's continue. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Check, check. They will slander others, have no self-control. Check, check. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Check, check. They will betray their friends. Check. Be reckless. Check. Be puffed up with pride. Check. Love, pleasure, rather than God, check. We're nailing it. Like, we got 100%. Congratulations, right? This is the culture that we, we live in. This is where we're at today. And listen, Paul says, it's not going to get easier. It's actually going to get harder. And, and I think we got, a, we got a wake-up call as a church recently, how quickly the government shut us down. That's a, that's a wake-up call. Man, for me, I was thinking that church and state were separate. That's just what I thought. But apparently, it's not. Apparently, they can just do whatever they want to do and pull the plug on us. Listen, it's going to get harder, not easy. And God is looking for a church that will stand up and say, no, 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 no. We're going to hold true to biblical values. We're going to keep the scripture sacred. We're going to keep his house sacred. We're going to stand on what is true. Paul says it, it's going to get harder. Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 36 through 38. He says, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. So from time to time, there's people that write books about when Jesus is going to come. They, they, they do YouTube videos of, of having a dream, when when Jesus is going to return, their apocalypse is going to happen, and, and uh, people just, you know, they predict, okay? Here's what I know and what we can guarantee, that whatever day they predict, that's the day that God is not going to send his son to come back for us, okay? That's a guarantee, okay? Because Jesus is like, I don't even know. 
Okay, like I'm waiting on the Father to send me back. And so we know that's guaranteed that when he says nobody knows, nobody knows. When the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Jesus is basically saying that the people were clueless. They were just partying and getting married and just living life. And what they were doing is they were ignoring Noah's words. You see, Noah during that time, he was the preacher. Like, like he was the prophet, he, and he was it, right? And he would preach every single day, and people would come and listen to him and completely ignore him for about 120 years, okay? You want to talk about, talk about a failure in ministry. There, there's Noah. Like, the only people that got saved was his kids, okay? And he probably forced them on the boat. You know what I'm saying? Like, but Jesus is saying, look, in the days of Noah, which, you know, my profession, I'm a pastor. And, you know, and, and there's other scriptures that say people won't, they'll go away from the truth. They'd rather believe a lie because the lie makes them feel better than the truth. And this is what the people, they just didn't care. They were apathetic to the word of God. They didn't want to make a change. Jesus is like, man, this is what's going to happen. Like, you're going to know signs are going to that the earth is going to begin to groan and there's going to be earthquakes and, and man, famines, and, and it's going to get hard. He gives us warning. Why? Not to scare us, but to activate us. He doesn't do it so we live in fear, but he's saying, man, I'm doing it to activate you, to get you focused on what's to come and so you know the signs so you can be activated, so you would have a sense of urgency. In the book of Revelation, Jesus has John write these seven letters to different churches. And I can't imagine, it's like a progress report to the churches. And I can't imagine us getting a progress. It'd be like Jesus writing a letter to our church, giving us a progress report of what we're doing well and not well. And there is a letter that he writes to the Laodicean church. And I have to give you context before we read this letter. There are some places in the Bible that context are just as important as the words written in, on the pages, okay? To really understand fully what Jesus is saying to this church of Laodicea, we have to know context of why Jesus is using specific examples to this church, so Laodicea was a retirement community, okay? And they specialized in three things. They specialized in banking, okay? They were a very wealthy city, and they specialized in banking. The second thing they specialized was clothing. They specialized in clothing. They had these black, it's described as like this velvet black sheep that had just this amazing wool, that had this like little purplish, blackish color. And people from all over the world would, would come and they would trade it. And it was just, they were famous for their clothing, okay? And then the third thing they were famous for is they had this specialized medical center that specialized in treating people's eyes and ears, okay? And so it's important that we understand these three things because Jesus points to each three of these things. Now, remember, it's a wealthy retirement community. Now, there's two cities next to Laodicea. One 
had this, this hot natural spring that poured into their city. If any of you have been to Glenwood Springs, come on, say amen. What an awesome place, right? Do you understand the benefit of sitting in 120 degree you know, water, right? And so did they. Like, it had a lot of benefits and minerals in it. And so they understood the benefit of hot water, sitting in hot water. And then there was another city that was by them that actually had piped cold water into their city. And so they understood the benefits of cold water, right? How refreshing it was, how, how good it tasted. And then Laodicea, they had this water uh, that, was, that would come from about five miles away and it was lukewarm, and it had like this sulfur smell. If you've been to Glenwood Springs, you, you see this kind of disgusting sulfur smell. And it wasn't good for anything unless they would, would purify it, okay? They had to, it had to go through the purification process if they were going to use it. Okay, so now, with all of that contextual information, now I want to read this letter that Jesus has John write to the church of Laodicea. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful, and the true witness. The beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one of the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let's continue. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. What had happened to this church? What had happened to them? That Jesus would state, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I don't believe that Jesus is going to spit Christians out of his mouth. And so it makes us take another look at this church. You know, what is he saying? He's like, man, I, want, I wish you were hot. I wish you were fired up in the Holy Spirit. I wish that you were fired up and zealous for me. Or I wish you were cold. And I don't believe that he's talking about uh, people that are away from God. I believe he's talking about because they knew that cold, fresh water uh, the benefits of it. I think he's believe, I think he's talking about man. I want you. Are you a, are you a Christian that's refreshing? Are you a Christian that's like that cold drink of water on that hot day when I'm struggling with something? Are you the Christian that's going to come up to me and encourage me and refresh me? I believe Jesus is actually showing us two types of Christians that he hopes that we would be. Either we would be fired up and bold, or we would be those refreshing, encouraging people. And he's like, he's saying to this, this community, he's like, you're neither one of those. And what has happened to this church is culture has invaded their lives. One, they're a wealthy retirement community, and they think they're retired from doing the work of God. Now, I've looked through all of the Bible several times, okay? Trust me in this. There is no scripture that says at some point you retire from God's work. Just sorry to tell you that, okay? There's, there's no passage of Scripture there. And these people were like, meh. 
They became apathetic to the word of God. They became apathetic from from following Jesus and they allowed the things of culture to take over their church. And so they were reaching anybody. They became lukewarm. They weren't purified. And so Jesus said, man, if you don't change, I'm going to end up spitting you out of my mouth. And it's so interesting. He says, man, you're poor. But they're like, man, we have everything. We're, we're wealthy. We're, we're retired. We, we specialize in banking. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about physical wealth. I'm talking about spiritual wealth. You have no eternal rewards. You have no eternal rewards. You're naked. He said, put white garments on. Well, we have beautiful black garments. He's saying, no, you need to repent. You need to put white garments of repentance on. You need to repent of your apathy of your lukewarmness, allowing culture to destroy your church. And he says, man, you're blind. They're like, no, 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 no. We've, we've invented a solve that, that heals blindness. No, no, no. He's saying, man, you're spiritually blind. You can't see what God is doing. This, this definition sounds a lot like the American church. You become apathetic. You come in the middle. You don't stand for anything. And Jesus is saying, man, I need you to stand for something. I need you to be hot. I need you to be on fire because times are coming where it's going to be difficult to stand. And so if you're not hot, when persecution comes, you're going you're gonna to run away. I need you to be refreshing. Man, I'm going to bring broken and lost people to my house. And I need you to be that cool drink of water for them that encourages them where they can find refuge in my house. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 12. I'm going to end with this passage. Paul says this, For we are both God's workers. That's something we need to understand today, that we are God's workers. Every single person in this place, man, watching online, you work for God. Now, he's the reason why we live. He's the reason why we're running towards that finish line. And we are workers. It doesn't say that we are God's loungers, right? Some of you are like, I wish it said lounging, right? I nail out lazy boy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, he says work. Like, man, I need workers. I need people that are going to get their hands dirty. And then he says, and you are God's field. Think, think about your life today, okay? Think about your life today. What is God planting in your field? Is it more stuff, material stuff? Do, you, do your goals, do all of your goals mirror going up the corporate ladder and having more money and having a better 401k? What, what is God planting in your, your field Is God the gardener of your life? Is he allowed to, to, to pull things out of your life? Are you allowing God to weed your life? Because there's, there's sometimes there's weeds that get in our life. Are we, does he have access to that? To pull weeds out. To plow our lives. To plant in our lives. To prune in our lives. Listen, pruning can be painful. It's, it's the stripping away of things. But pruning is the reward for being faithful. 
Because God wants to do more in your life. He doesn't want you stuck. He wants to constantly grow beautiful things in the fields of your life that will last in eternity. Then he says, you are God's building. What are you building for God in your life? What are you building? Is your marriage built on God? Is your family built on God? Is your business built on God? Is your money built on God? What is built in your life? What is God building in your life? Because of God's grace to me. Now listen. Grace enables us to do everything that God has called us to do. Okay? Grace enables us to do all that God has called us to do. Grace doesn't enable us to sin and to stay in our sin. Grace activates us, enables us to do things that we can't do on our own. The the vision and the dream that's bigger than we can possibly imagine. That's what grace comes alongside and says, man, I'm going to make it happen. Not in your strength, but in my strength and my power. I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. No one, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have in Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. Continue. But on the judgment day, come on, this is when we cross the finish line, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Listen, as your pastor, I don't want you to use grace as your fire insurance. I don't want you to just make it into heaven. That's great. But man, I want you to see God and then say, man, good, faithful servant. Man, I got tons of eternal rewards for you. I got a crown. He's going to place a crown on your head. Thank you for serving me and working for me faithfully all the days of your life. Thank you for not retiring on me. As we look at the landscape of our culture, we, we see there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And all of us are called to be workers. Allow God to plant whatever he wants in our field and and grow things. What are we building? What are we allowing God to build in our lives? I want to mention a couple things before we, we, we go into response time. A couple things that are coming up at Passionate Life Church and that I want us to be part of and, and invest in. And the first thing is in November. Uh, we're going to partner with Littleton Services. We usually partner with different different nonprofits and stuff during the holidays. We're going to partner with them. They've got about 65 to 70 families that will not have a Christmas if we don't purchase presents for them. And so we're going to start you know, putting that together in November. We'll have an angel tree in December where you can take different angels and, and buy certain presents for, for the parents and their unwrapped toys so the parents can give it to their kids wrapped and, and, and so the kids have a good Christmas. We just want to love on some people in our community. That's really where it starts. We want to start, you know, you know earning eternal rewards. Man, we got to love people. That's the first step, loving people. 
And then in, in December, what's coming up is, is a, a special offering called uh, Miracle in Motion. It's just a one-time gift over and above uh, your, your tithes and offerings to give to the mission and vision of Passionate Life Church. Man, God has given us great vision for this church. He's messing with me right now about the future. And let, let me tell you, 2021 is going to be the best year we've ever had, okay? And, and God's just, this is just, we're on the, we are just in the beginning of what God is going to do. We're going to see great, great things happen. And so we just, this is just a special offering in December that we give uh, over and above to, to help the mission and vision of Passionate Life Church. In January, uh, we support three different uh, Ukrainian orphanages. And uh, we, we purchase uh, food and toys. We, we actually give to it. And, and the dollar goes really far in Ukraine. And so we're able to give them a one-time offering. And it, it, man, it runs all of their, their Christmas programs with food and toys for every single one of the kids um, in three different Ukrainian orphanages. And so we do that in, in January. So I want you to get ready to do that. And then the last thing is in February. February, we're, we're partnering with an organization called Vapor. Come on, good good segue, right? Vapor, mist, right? And um, man, this is just a great organization. And what they do is they go into the poorest cities in Haiti and Africa. And they buy up a bunch of land and they create these micro cities. They, they dig fresh uh, wells uh, for drinking water. They, they build a school that doubles as a hospital. And then they, they, they build all of these soccer fields. They just build all of these soccer fields. And they're like, you would, they're, they're completely changing whole cities for Jesus just by building schools and hospitals and, and clean drinking water and soccer fields. And he's like, man, whole families are coming and coaching their kids and seeing their kids. And, and so there's going to be different opportunities to, to pour into that ministry. One is a church we're going to give to them every month. But also you can support one of the kids for 62 bucks a month. You can literally pay for everything, their education, their food, their clothing, all the way up till they're 18 years old. And then the third thing that, that we're, we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to partner with them uh, to actually go on these mission trips to actually see these micro cities and to see how people are being affected. They actually fly us to Alabama. We get trained up for about a day, and then they, they send us out uh, with, other diff with different churches and stuff. So there's a big group, and there's a lot of energy, and it's, it's really awesome. And so and I want you to be praying about that. I want you to be prepared. I, I need you to prepare your heart because these are the things that we invest in that changes people's eternity. It's all about changing people's eternity. We all cross the, the finish line at some point. As your pastor, my heart for you is that you would hear good and faithful sermon. Come on, let's make our mist matter today. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. I'm going to do something different. I, I did it first service, and I really feel like we should do it again this service. I, I would just ask that every single person in this room, that you would put your hand on your heart. Scripture tells us that eternity is in our heart. Father, I just pray right now, as every single person has their hand over their heart today, that eternity would soak into our our minds today, God. 
that we would have a different perspective today, that we would leave this place with a different perspective, that we would have a sense of urgency, God, that there's people in our lives, if they died today, they would go to hell. They would hear those words, depart from me, from God. And God, you love your children, you love them, and you've called us to be workers today, God. So as we pray today, God, I just pray that you would give us new vision and dreams, God, and encouragement today and energy, God, those that have submitted the retirement papers. God, I pray that you would see them, rip them up today, God, and they would get back into the game, Lord. They give it back into the field, Jesus. Because every single person in this place is valuable and a worker for you. God, we thank you that eternity is in our hearts. We pray from this day forward that we live every day that might be our last. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. If you'd like more information, you can email us at passionatelifechurch at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, or share this with a friend. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.